Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Adventures in Angular. This week on our panel, we have Shai Resnick. Hello, everybody. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And this week, we have a special guest. And that is, I'm just going to say your name, how it's spelled, and you can tell me if I get it wrong. Emma Tversky. That's it. Yep. 100%. Gold star. All right. I'm always worried that I'm going to say it, how it's spelled, and then you're going to be like, no, it's... You know, my name is from this foreign land that you've never heard of. And then Tversky. Anyway, that's right. Yeah, that'd be right, too. I frequently get like twerk, twerky, twerksy. Um, <laughs> I think there's a bit of like a Miley Cyrus connotation oh, there in go. there. Yeah. I'm not that adventurous. I'm just not. Even on Adventures <laughs> in Angular. <laughs> when I went freelance, I was still only a few years into my development career. My first contract, I was paid 60 bucks an hour. Due to feedback from my friends, I raised it to 120 bucks an hour on the next contract. And due to the podcasts I was involved in and the screencasts I had made in the past, I started getting calls from people I'd never even heard of who wanted me to do development work for them because I had done that kind of work or talked about or demonstrated that kind of work in the videos and podcasts that I was making. Within a year, I was able to more than double my freelancing rates, and I had more work than I could handle. If you're thinking about freelancing or have a profitable but not busy or fulfilling freelance practice, let me show you how to do it in my Dev Heroes Accelerator. Dev Heroes aren't just people who devs admire, they're also people who deliver for clients who know, like, and trust them. Let me help you double your income and fill your slowdowns. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. So uh, yeah, you're on the Angular core team. And we've been chatting a little bit before the show and you're super awesome. Is there anything else that we should know? Or is that pretty much the whole story? About myself? Yeah, that's the whole story. I'm on the Angular Developer Relations team. Um, have been for about a year or a, a pandemic. If we're measuring in time. That way. <laughs> um, I'm crying too. I'm laughing. I'm crying. Yeah, very excited for a post-pandemic. But yeah. Oh man, very nice. So before we get going too much, we're going to talk about Angular 12. So uh, hold on to your shorts. But how did you get on the Angular DevRel team? Because it's it's always interesting to me as I meet new people on the, the Angular team, how they wound up there. Yeah, for sure. So I and the other person on Angular DevRel joined around the same time. Myself and Mark started, I think, like a week apart uh, and have very different backgrounds. So previous to Google, I was doing a lot of work in Android, actually, like Android mobile development, specifically focused on accessibility and was more active in like sort of the ally space. And through that, I ended up doing a bunch of sort of talks and things in that space and really enjoyed it, really enjoyed the like teaching documentation side of things um, and, and ended up talking to Google about things that were user facing sort of in that space and there was an opening and opportunity on angular and that was sort of how i was brought in very cool and so are you and mark focused on different areas or do you just kind of divide and conquer based on the opportunities that come your way yeah so right now it's myself mark and minko um and we all sort of naturally just have different things we're interested in right so minko is very interested in tooling has really great background in Angular itself um, and sort of like the, the compiler and the underworkings of how Angular works uh, and is very focused on that space. And then Mark is really focused and interested in an incredible teacher and does a lot of stuff with sort of like our visual presentation and stuff. And then I have sort of taken the space of working on things around like our accessibility efforts, which you'll see some stuff coming soon, hopefully. And then things like materials, sort of like the design system, visual aspect, as well as all of our like social stuff. I must awesome. jump in and say that you guys are doing a great job with the GDE program. I'm part of the GDE and we have a monthly meeting. And since you, uh, you joined, things have gotten a very, I don't know, like informative and collaborative and very fun. So thank you for the job that you're doing with the Google Developer Expert as well. Great job. Thank you. Yeah, I guess that's another thing. I run that too now. So we're sort of all over the place with our focuses. That's what I liked about, that's what I wanted out of DevRel, right? Is when I made the switch from SWE to DevRel, I wanted to be able to work on a bunch of different projects at once and own 
deciding what I worked on. And so it's been cool to put that into action. Awesome. So you guys are old, virtual old friends. Now I feel left out. Yeah. I'm just going to go hide in the corner. You guys talk. Yeah. Our avatars met way back. Mm -hmm. Like in the time of the Tamaguchi. But (laughs) so, so Emma, is it like, is it true? And I will pretend that I don't know this, that a a new version of Angular is right at at the gates, ready to be released. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're never going to hide that, right? On GitHub, it's pretty (laughs) obvious. I think I run our social media and I think I've sort of given up being the first to announce anything because someone will always see a merged PR before me. So yeah, very clearly there's an RC out or four of them. So let's let's nice. uh, hear the, the juicy details about the new version right from uh, the DevRel. Yeah, for sure. So we're kind of going with this idea of feature drops, right? So Angular is pretty consistent at this point. If you ng update into the next version, it's going to be a very similar developer experience. And what we're hoping to do is land all of these sort of like enhancements or feature drops that sort of just like add on to that experience that you're already having. Um, Maybe like resolve some big like community feature requests. Uh, That's something that's really exciting about version 12 is there's four big sort of uh, community led feature requests that were merged in. And then sort of just, you know, keeping up to date with sort of like this futuristic idea of what web frameworks can be. So yeah, do you want to run through like what's in it? I just oh, want to no, call let's out, wrap really. it let's wrap it up here. I think we're good. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> version 12, it. just like a version 11 except more 12. More yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With much much more 12. It's it's much more, more 12. Even. 12 yeah. new features. <laughs> but it. it's we interesting it to me, you know, hearing you talk about this Emma because I remember when we started Adventures in Angular, we started it talking about Angular 1, right? Angular JS. And, you know, and then there was all this angst because they posted, you know, headstones with all the features of Angular JS that were going to go away in Angular 2. And we then there was Ang- the controllers. Right. And then Angular 2 came along and, you know, it was actually a big deal to move up. And then there were still movements through Angular two to four to five to six, you know, it got smoother and smoother and smoother. And it's been interesting throughout, you know, uh, some of the other shows that we've done on devchat.tv as well, right? With JavaScript Jabber, where they did ES6 and then ES7, and ES, you know, now they're doing like 2016, 2017, whatever. And we're seeing the same thing with like TypeScript. We're seeing the same thing with Ruby. We're seeing the same thing with, you know, some of the other languages that we cover with Elixir, right? Where some of the early updates were, semi-painful right you do the update and you'd run into some of the issues i mean even four to five five to six you know there were some things you had to account for and now it's pretty seamless i mean you move in and it's pretty mature and you're not going to see that many things that really are going to throw you off or break your code or anything like that and so we're having a completely different conversation now than we were having in the past which is actually very nice right it's this comfortable place to be now in the Angular community because it's, hey, we're just going to adopt the next version and, you know, we will update some of our code to take advantage of some of this stuff and it'll be faster, it'll be easier to test, it'll be some of these other things. And for the most part, it'll still be this comfortable place to work in. That's so naive, Chuck. So naive of you. To think I just that... felt shy say, stop it and slap me on the head. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But I think that most of what you said is uh, correct, but I will throw in that to get to this smoothness, mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears that went oh, absolutely. to it, right? To get to this point. And I think like, you know, it's not a big secret that Ivy was like an effort that was super, mm-hmm. super hard for the team. For like, you know, several years, like I think three years, they, they've been working on Ivy to get the infrastructure to make sure that they could transition and, and, and stuff like that. So maybe Emma could shed a light on how that that is going in terms of like the infra and Ivy and how how good it is or how maybe 
it is making things easier for these type of upgrades or new versions, stuff like that. But uh, the, I hope that it is as smooth as uh, you know you describe. But it sure it sure is compared to one to two, of course, because mm-hmm. it's a different. And also to two to four, and even the transition to Ivy and stuff like that. So I love to hear Emma what you thought on what I, my rent. <laughs> yeah, just no, one yeah. snarky bit, real quick. It was nice going to Ivy Comp for three years. I mean, NG Comp for three years. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? We're no longer at NG Comp is coming up, and it it's a different story now. Um, yeah, I can only really speak to the last year, but I feel like the team is in a place where they're taking advantage of all of that, like really long, hard work um, to get to that place of this idea of consistency. And we're at this place where we can sort of present each feature as like a a feature drop, right? Like where you have a stable environment and you're sort of saying like, hey, we're at a place where you can take advantage of Webpack support or like like more advanced module federation models, right? Like we're, we're in a place where we can present these different ideas or like on the public roadmap is like optional modules or like exploring what like zoneless Angular could be. And all of that, like everything on the roadmap does have thanks to give for the like years of very hard work the team put in to get to a place of that, right? In version 12 or sort of with version 12, we're releasing um, tooling around like the Ivy language service, which is the same language service, but because it's now built on Ivy has so many additional features that take advantage of Ivy and all of that work to allow you to do like reference handling right so like in your code editor like you're able to like seek references out like all these things that like seem really intuitive but because they're running on the like core infrastructure of ivy were really important to like get that ivy code landed before we started to explore these other things but yeah so i mean it's so I, I was so i was the naive one chuck i thought it's like it's not that smooth but what we're hearing from emma it is that smooth so sorry about that. Smooth. Smooth. We'll see. I hope so. I mean, the, the, <laughs> NG, the NG update experience is always supposed to be smooth. From DevRel, we've been doing with releases sort of like an update party, which I don't think it's a secret, but you'll see that again, where we sort of like live stream and update together. And, you know, it, it is that easy. Like I update my apps to the RC all the time and it's really quite seamless. Um, that's 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 kind of like magical you know the upgrade whenever i upgrade like the it's like change changes everything for me and suggests like stuff and like very magical experience compared like to other upgrades that i needed to manually do and stuff like that so that's a great a great work by the tooling team the angular cli and stuff so send them our uh Wishes and, and yeah, kudos. I will. I frequently, yeah, I say thank you so, to them a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's new in 12? Uh, yeah. So, I mentioned the language service. Um, and then it is not going to be, it, there is a new path for Ivy uh, library distribution that will be sort of in RFC as an option for library owners to opt in. Let's see. The really cool ones we're talking about the CLI is prod mode by default. Oh, can, can I stop you for a minute? So what, what yeah. does that actually mean? So are you going to be encouraging libraries to switch over to be taking advantage of Ivy or are new uh, libraries going to be written to use Ivy or yeah, do old so, I, libraries still work? I guess those are the questions that are coming to my head. Yeah. So it depends on the distribution model. Right now it's out there as an option in Again, that's the thing about V12, right? Is like a lot of these things are in V11.23, whatever. Mm, Uh, And V12 is sort of their like first publication in a major version. So right now, libraries will still be running on NGCC. But there is a IV first distribution sort of path to be able to present that way. And I believe starting V12, we're hoping to sort of start migrating over. um, And I think by V13. Or I, I can't speak to future versions, but the hope is that in the future it will be IV first distribution. 
So we're in that middle state. Okay. Um, yeah. But it is out there if you're a library owner and want to take advantage and look at it. I will say that the eventual plan is that it is a no-op. Mm-hmm. So again, with like a lot of these other like big migration things, the idea is to make them no-op. So like even if you are a library owner, like you don't know how it's being published, but it is being published Ivy first eventually. Um, what are the advantages? Assume that eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are what are the advantages to for library owners to you know, switch to that or to adopt it? I mean, I think at this point it's more exploratory to see what it looks like. Again, by the time it's no op, that's when the advantages sort of come into play, right? Because that's just going to be how the publishing method works. The big advantage is, again, sort of the same thing as the language service, right? Like taking advantage of Ivy. So if you're running an Ivy app or your consumers are of that library and you're consuming all of these different libraries that are actually running on NGCC, some of those advantages of Ivy don't come through, right? Because you're actually including NGCC in your builds in some capacity. Like um, uh, size and, and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm, yeah. And all of the like tree shaking goodness parts, right? So by the time you're actually running fully on Ivy, you're utilizing all of those different optimizations. And it's also, right, like sort of like running on an old deprecated version. Any future improvements are going to run on that Ivy compilation build. So you want to migrate over, obviously. If you so, so now it's just for, for you guys to get feedback on what's working, what's working, what's not. But in the future, when it will be officially released, then will be the time for the majority of library owners to migrate and to support like version, let's call it 13. And <laughs> I know, I know, it's me. Yeah, it's me. It's no not promises. Emma. No promises. It's me promising. And if okay. you have a problem, take it up with like the devil team. But it will be <laughs> for sure. You heard it here version 13 this will be no i'm kidding so so but when it will be released then then we'll see all the advantages like tree shaking and which will impact the size of the the librarians and such or the entire bundle and such yeah and even for library owners right now with v12 like you know it's no option to just do nothing and just wait for it to come Obviously, like we're using that time to experiment with migration strategies under the hood to make it no op. So, you know, if you're a library owner and that doesn't interest you, just wait for us to do it for you, right? That's in sort of version that 13. Yeah. In, yeah. In, <laughs> yeah. So okay, cool. one thing that I, I will point out here for uh, library owners, usually the downside at this stage is that it's experimental, but the upside is is that you get to form relationships with people on the Angular team and that they are usually very, very invested in making it work. And so if you want some real solid hands-on help, no, I'm not promising anything on behalf of the Angular team, but this is the way I've seen it work over and over and over again with groups like the Angular team. You want some really, really, really solid hands-on help with moving your library into the Angular ecosystem in a in a solid way, I would take advantage of this, right? If you want to raise your profile within the Angular community, I would take advantage of this, right? Yeah. If if you're not interested in that and you don't want to go through the headache of dealing with experimental code, hang out and see what happens. But if you do want to do it, here's Minko's phone number, personal phone number, <laughs> 955. <laughs> okay. Cool. So what are the other... Okay, so we talked about the language service, right? Mm -hmm. And we talked about the Angular libraries, experimental... Yeah, then I derailed you. I'm sorry. No, I mean, we have a bunch of stuff. So let's see. From the CLI team, it's going to be prod mode in all builds by default. So instead of having to specify the prod flag on your build, that'll be the assumed default. Same with strict mode by default. So when you ng new into an app, uh, right now you would have to give the strict flag to specify that you want some of those strict mat mode optimizations. Those are going to be default. So prod um, mode for the development time mode? Uh, yeah, like ng build will be prod. Uh, 
yeah. and that way you don't won't have any differences between the prod mode and the regular dev mode so you won't be get surprises when you push to production right mm-hmm. yeah and it's also things like that are things that like just shorten the <laughs> the commands that you're running right and ensure that that's the most common build option right you're almost always going to be wanting to build your prod version so it's just making sure that we're removing the possibility of like a development time error right so a lot of these things have to do with this idea of like making it easier for developers especially new developers to onboard is like building in those best practices of like you're probably going to be building your prod mode uh, prod environment so why not make that the default and it's the same speed mm-hmm. yeah i nice. believe yeah. so yeah. It, it, I like you, that because it used to have like uh, you know like ten times more when using a prod mode. Sorry, I cut you off, Chuck. No, it's all good. But that makes sense to me, right? Okay, now I need the debug tool, so I'm going to turn them on, right? Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it does the right thing. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of this is building on best practices. You know, the other thing along with sort of like all of that error handling is. And it went out in V11.1, but we have sort of like enhanced our error messages to have like a built-in workflow, right? So with the most common errors, I believe there's 10 right now, that when they're thrown both in runtime and compile time, have a built-in link that links into our documentation. So instead of just saying like, hey, your expression was changed before checked, the most common error and upsetting people. Maybe if you're a new, a new developer, like you see that really long word and you're like, I have no clue what that means. Now there's a link and that link will help you lead to documentation on like how to debug that, what it actually means along with videos. So if you're a more visual learner, you know, just sort of building out that development experience to make sure that we're not just like throwing people errors without any help. I didn't Shout know out. I wanted that, but where do I send the cookies? <laughs> to Jeff Delaney from uh, Fireship. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. He's in, he's in charge of so the nice. videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that he, those videos were done through Google bringing in Fireship in collaboration. And a bunch of people on the team worked with those sort of like yeah, but cross collaboration. But yeah. There is nothing worse than having your code break and you go look at the stack trace and you're crossing your eyes going, wait what bro what's going on and then it turns out that it's like the third or fourth thing in the stack trace and so god bless you people yeah i would say debugging in general has been a big focus in i don't want to say v12 inherently because obviously that came out in v11 and that was like my first big pr into the library but our framework but there's a lot of other stuff that goes with sort of like okay, so if the feedback we're getting is like, we want to make this easy for new developers to onboard, then how do we do that? And the big answer is debugging, right? Like, how do we make the errors easier to handle when you get them? How do we stop you from getting those errors in advance? How do we make those errors meaningful? So along with that, right, like we introduced Mm -hmm. error structuring so that the numbers that are being thrown actually do have like a meaningful structure that we're tracking. But it's pretty interesting, like through the research to add those errors and error messages if you look at stack traces and sort of like at least what we're collecting for analytics like there really are 10 errors that people are getting the most often and a lot of other errors are pretty like under the hood so it's a small lift but a big benefit oh it's a huge benefit i think the direction of going to improving the d the developer experience the dx of the of angular is like the you know the number one complaint i think when i heard about angular is like the learning curve like the you know amount of a boilerplate or things to learn the start and stuff like that which you're also working on reducing with like the zoneless or maybe you know experimenting with removing uh, the need for modules and by the way is it part of like any of that part of 12 or is it like Again, 13. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if that's... (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to put a number on that. They're on the roadmap. They're in the future section. 
which sort of just means that they're prioritized but don't have current people working on them. And a lot of what's on the roadmap is just experimenting with like what that looks like. So there's a lot of like design documents of like what it might look like. I would predict that you'd see RFCs when there's actually a plan to move forward. So a request for comment. Something you're going to see a bunch in sort of the lead up to V12 is there's a lot of RFCs planned for the next, I would say, like from ng-conf season into the summer. There's quite a few RFCs that plan to go out to sort of collect feedback on things that maybe did make it in a 12 or are planned for the post-12 time. Yeah, that makes sense. And I just want to also point out, having worked on projects where you want to get a reasonable amount of good improvements out for people to start using, because every good feature that they put into 12.1.2.3.4, right, or, you know, release candidate for 13, you know, it's not in a quote unquote stable version until they release it, right? And so the Angular team has to play the game of what can we actually release in a reasonable amount of time versus what can we promise is out there, right? And so to a certain degree, I, I want to just give Emma a little bit of leeway here, right? She's not promising us stuff in versions because she can't, because at the end of the day, they can only put so much in to a version because something has to come out whenever they release the next version. And we want that good stuff to come along, right? So they are planning on working on this stuff, but they can't promise us when it's going to come out because they do have to release versions on a regular cadence so that we get the good stuff that they can get done in a reasonable amount of time. So, you know, we're going to be patient with them, but we are excited about what's coming in 12. So what I hear is version 13. That's what I heard from what what you just said. Yeah, this isn't even out, but I feel like people are always like, no, 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 the next. (laughs) No, and the the reason you're not hearing me promise a certain time, and this is pretty new of an idea to the Angular team specifically, is this idea of time-based releases, right? So there's a date Mm -hmm. that we plan to release on, or at least like a week time frame. And the idea is whatever makes it, makes it. And whatever doesn't goes to the next version or in a minor, right? You're starting to see more things land in minor releases in Angular in general because they break less things. A lot of these like sort of implemented, right? Like errors don't, adding messages to errors don't break anything. So it landed in V11.1. Yeah. So it's important to say it's not break less things. It doesn't break anything, right? Because that's why it's in the minor. I'm just saying it to the strict listeners who will like try to tweet you about it like hey what does it mean by less things <laughs> yes fair it doesn't break anything that's why it's able to go into a minor um awesome. but this idea of time-based releases is pretty new right like we hit version 11 on 11 11 because we knew like the things that we were excited about had made it but even if they hadn't they would just go to the next possible release yeah. and that's that idea well, of consistency Yeah. And I mean, technically, we all know this, right? But technically, the error messages, it is code. And technically, it can break things. But the risk is really, really minor. Mm -hmm. Right? And it's thoroughly tested. So yeah, they released it because the odds were that it wasn't going to negatively impact anybody. Mm -hmm. Again, the Angular uh, release, uh, let's say, killer feature is the fact that it is tested internally in Google by how many apps, Emma? 2,700, 2,600. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that got yes. gotten big. I remember it was like 300 or something like that. Yeah. Yes, it is definitely. Google crazy. is a number and it's tested by a Google of apps. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and Google is on at all. This was like something I didn't really understand until joining Google, but Google is on the latest branch, like not the latest release, the latest branch. So they're seeing it all. Ouch. Can you imagine that? I broke the power, the, the power of blaze. all the builds. Yeah. Yes, that is absolutely blaze. The, <laughs> yeah. Yes, okay. the CICD is. It's a, yeah, it's, it's amazing. By the way, speaking of blaze and basil, Angular is no longer with Bazel, or uh, it's not longer on the roadmap, the the Angular Bazel thing? It's still on the roadmap. Or I guess it's, what project are you talking about specifically? 
I'm talking about Basel. The, it was supposed to be at one point part of the CLI build process to support Basel, but I think I don't I don't remember when, but I think it, it wasn't like maybe possible at the end or it wasn't like that. I don't know. I, I really yeah. don't know. So I'm guessing here. So <laughs> that's why yeah. I asked the I I think that Stephen Fluin's the person that has the best answer to this, but the way I've heard it answered from him is that we use all of that tooling internally that's like very Google first, but it's open source. And so the idea was like, give external developers the ability to use that same CI/CD path. And what was really explored, and this is the thing about a lot of things on the roadmap, is it's an exploration. Like, is this a good idea to invest in? We're looking at it. And the takeaway from that was like, it's really not worth it unless you're working in a mono repo the size of Google's. Like there's other options that maybe are better. And we're the mm -hmm. first to say like, go explore those other options. So I think people looked into it, said like, it's probably not worth like making it a whole project. There's ways wow. to do it, obviously, but it's a pretty specific use case. So yeah, but it's so unless cool. unless you're as yeah unless you're like enterprisey level with uh, tons of apps, uh, don't yeah. bother with the if because it's more boilerplate and stuff like that for smaller yes. projects. If you're interested in that, still Doug from the Angular team who works specifically with he's done a ton of stuff with the Ivy rollout on internal Google CI/CD stuff like that. Gave a talk at Basel Open Source Day that I can find the link to somewhere. I know we tweeted about it, but he talked about how we used uh, Basil to do internal rollouts. So that would be a good place to start if you're interested in what we're talking about. Awesome. Hey folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. Okay. And as a, the proud owner of uh, testangular.com, I wanted to ask if there are any improvements regarding testing uh, that are coming out in uh, V12. See what I did there, Chuck? I was uh, going to say nice plug. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Testing specific. Do component test harnesses count? <laughs> yeah, but are there... Are there new to 12? I don't believe there's new. The The biggest things in material are mostly around theming. Um, they updated to the new SAS module system. So like, I'm excited about that. We can talk about that. But specific to testing, <laughs> I don't believe that there's any major updates to testing frameworks. I know that there is an RFC coming out at some point before version 12 around the big conversation and testing with... Cypress. The roadmap items of of Protractor uh, mm. and options there. I don't love there. Protractor. Can I say that? Yeah, you can say that. I'm not. Okay, I'm going to say that. I don't love Protractor. Yeah, I think that's fine. I think that... Julie will never RFC. forgive you, Chuck. I, I really like Julie. She is a terrific person, but I don't love Protractor. But I don't, yeah. I don't think she works on it like for like six years now. So I don't think she cares. Yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Julie Ralph. Shout out to yeah. Julie Ralph. I think the big thing with testing is going to be that RFC. So nothing's going to land in version 12 related to testing, but that RFC will lay out a plan for the future of testing. Um, so that that's an interesting point to make is that the RFC is a request for comment, which means mm -hmm. that any of us who have thoughts on this, right? Like I don't love Protractor or specific reasons right why we don't love protractor we can get in and we can comment right and say you know i'd like to see this change or that change right how do we get involved like how do we actually see on the rfc how do you how do you see? how do we leave a comment how do we leave a oh. comment on the rfc yeah so that's all on github so specific to protractor we already ran a twitter survey or a survey that okay. we spread through twitter in january i believe so we have some initial pulse feedback of sort of like what, what the community wants and what the needs are there. And so the RFC will be published as a GitHub issue um, or on GitHub. 
as a document that lays out all of those plans, has links to maybe like design documentation, anything okay. like that. And then just GitHub comments. Like you're just going to comment on that issue. And as long as it's meaningful in some way or productive of a comment, I promise you that the team is reading every single comment there and responding and wants to interact. Even if it's as small as saying like, hey, I really want you to get rid of Protractor or I love Protractor and it's going to break everything. Please don't get rid of it. You know, like that's the RFC Just follow process. issues on Angular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're tagged. They have a special tag. I think it's okay. called request for comment. Our Twitter is how we sort of rely on making sure everything gets out. But obviously there's also Discord where I'm sure it'll be discussed in length. I know some people on my team are really into Reddit, but I don't think that's an official channel. But yeah, our Twitter is the place to know when that goes out. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Okay, so so that was the question about testing and the RFC. So get involved and let's see what 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 else is on the the feature set. Yeah. So there's four different issues again talking about engaging on GitHub. There were four feature request issues that have been merged in. So there's HTTP metadata on like request metadata, minmax form validators, emit event options on abstract control classes. And the fourth one is app initializer. So a lot of stuff having to do with sort of like HTTP client request, like observables and handlers. And we'll link all of those since those are a little bit more specific. But the cool thing is that they're like very highly upvoted feature requests that have been able to be merged in. Nice. Yeah, that was also a complaint for a long time. And ever since uh, like, I don't know, six months ago or more even, started like taking and handling these issues. So again, great work. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, issue triage has been a big one. There's some really great graphs on how many issues have been closed or handled or merged. And when we say like issues are merged or I guess issues are closed or PRs are closed, the the flow for how things get merged into Angular is a little bit weird. So it looks like we close PRs, but we actually like patch merge them into ma- like the main branch. So a lot of those closed PRs are merged as like single commits. That was something that like really freaked me out on my first PR into Angular, right? Is like, Somebody closed my PR and I was like, oh no, like I thought that, I don't know, I thought that was good code and it was merged. It just kind of looks a little bit different, but yeah, there's been a lot of work on those like steady declining graphs. Um, So essentially what you're saying is, is that the PR will get closed and mm -hmm. then the commits will get picked over into main. Yes. Yeah. And I think depending on who's doing issue triaging or uh, caretaking, they sometimes comment. But yeah, if if you look at the way it's merged in, it's a little bit different just because of the very like Google way that it's done. Mm-hmm. But it, they're almost like cherry pick, picked into branches. Again, okay. because they're immediately going out to all of Google to but, basically but, be tested on. But the committer still gets the credit, right? Like Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So a comment is a is a good thing there <laughs> to to let them know. I heard uh, that uh, you are completely removing RxJS, right? In version uh, twelve. No. <laughs> no. Ah, okay. They they no. fully. People are gonna again. listen to this and they're gonna just pick up all the stuff that Shai is making up. Pearls, <laughs> uh, pools. No. No, 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 no. No, we love RxJS. There's a bunch of version bumping. I don't think that the version 7 RxJS is going to make it, but I know that that work is underway um, by all of the great people that are spending all of their like free time doing these things. So I know that there's RxJS v7 somewhere out there. I'm not the most in tune to like when that's going to happen, but there's TypeScript 4.2, I think. Mm-hmm. is definitely out there again we're a little bit far away to say that it's definitely making it let's see there's webpack 5 in prod support i know webpack 5 made it into v11 as experimental so uh, it'll be coming out of does, that does that include the module federation that everybody's talking about all over the place it includes a path to it 
my understanding is that I'm not sure that that I I'm not sure I don't want to promise that Webpack five production support means production support for Module Federation because I'm not okay. sure everything else that goes into that solution, but I know that there's people working very hard on it. I Manfred mm-hmm. obviously is like the name that comes to mind, and I believe that there is a talk at NGConf about Module Federation. I think I saw in the lineup. Okay. So. Well, well we have to there. move to Webpack 5 before we can have Module Federation. So that makes mm-hmm. sense. At least yes. we're moving that way. Yes, so, it's very much a path. So is it even without the Module module uh, Federation, is does that mean that we get like better performance, build performance and stuff in version 12? Or like, uh, what, what is the meaning? What is the meaning of moving from experimental to not non-experimental in terms of like the Webpack 5 uh, integration? I'm not sure if that means that it's more, if there's improvements to build efficiency. My understanding is it's more of a supported solution, right? So like you would never put into production, well, you can, but there's a lot of caveats to putting into production experimental code, right? The model I think of is like, I use the MDC experimental components all the time from Angular material, but those are very much an experimental and very much with the caveat that like, it's allowed to break because it's experimental. And so I've thought of Webpack the same way where like, it could break, there's no promise it doesn't. And so I think production support just means we feel more confident in our ability to support Webpack 5, if that makes sense, right? So it won't be part of the package JSON, like version five of Webpack? No, it should like be. It, it should be? Okay, so so we should get like maybe more, I don't know, better build speed. I'm guessing, again, because I'm guessing Webpack 5 is better than Webpack 4 in terms of the speed and stuff like that. So if you're getting it as part of the CLI, the new CLI, version 12, I'm guessing that it should mean that we will get better, I don't know, speed or bundle size and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm, with I'm the, guessing here. I don't know. <laughs> with a lot of these tools, a lot of the, a lot of those assumptions wind up being generally true. But one thing that I've seen with a lot of systems is that it may be true for sort of your generic JavaScript stuff. And then, you know, with Angular doing something a little different from, you know, kind of the way that React amalgamates its stuff or that, you know, Vue assumes that things stick together, that it's truer of one set of apps than another. And so it may or may not give you the kind of major benefit that you think you might get from having a move from Webpack 4 to 5. However, what I've seen then is that you know, so 50% of apps out there, you know, get a major boost, the rest get kind of a minor boost or no boost. And then they kind of go look at the other 50% and they go, oh, this little tweak will open up some of these to the rest. And so as time goes on, we'll get a Webpack 5.04, 5.0.5 that will open up some of those optimizations to an Angular or other user base that didn't get it in the first version of 5. So who knows? Yeah, I agree. I also think it depends on, I'm not sure how, it depends how you're doing module federation, right? If you're upgrading to five and then adding like the complexity of a federated module system, like it may, there may be some trade-off there in like any Mm -hmm. benefit you're going to see. I haven't run diagnostics on like a before and after to know. Yeah. But it does open up some pretty interesting options for Angular apps going forward. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And then, like I said, the big one—I think we covered everything in V12. The the other big one that I like because I like SAS a lot is a new SAS module system for Angular Material. So that's just that idea of like the use import, right? I think SAS a while ago came up with sort of like a new sort of future forward way of writing SAS that Angular Material will now be based on. So with that comes new theming APIs, sort of like a new way Mm -hmm. to define all of that theming. 
all of this should be migrated over with the update. So it's should be no op, but a different way to sort of like theme all of your stuff that looks a little bit cleaner, in my opinion, runs a little bit faster, right? Depends on your interest in SAS, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> How sassy are you? Mm -hmm. Yes. Or CSS. But the answer is SAS. Yeah. That's my opinion. Well, well that it, that's interesting in some ways, I think to some apps and not others. I mean, if you have a long running app, yeah, you know, theming isn't going to be nearly as important. If you have a system where you allow users to set theme colors or where you're building an app that you repurpose to multiple users or things like that. Yeah. The use case becomes a lot more interesting. Yeah, completely. And even if the design system isn't material, I'm a big proponent of design systems as a whole mm -hmm. for methodology. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it's nice Starting to see when it's tailwind. Yeah. It's nice to see when you're able to utilize like the, the newest version, obviously, right. The thing with tailwind is you want to purge everything you're not using yeah. with something like a purge CSS. It's kind of the same thing as like SAS modules, like the newer SAS module systems is this idea of only really importing as much as you need. Something we didn't talk about that's in V12, but even a little bit earlier is like resource inlining of both fonts and CSS inlining, right? So there's a great video about that on our YouTube uh, where Mark sort of goes over what that means, but that will all be obviously included in V12. This idea of like inlining as much of the styling as possible to reduce the amount of mm -hmm. like work you're doing at compile and runtime. Awesome. Yeah, all kinds now of Now I want to go play with it and I can't. It's not out. I guess there's uh, a release candidate. Okay. There Can is a very... A very uh, specific, a very specific date. Can you give a very specific date, Emma? Uh, it's version 12 and it's in May. So <laughs> I don't know. Very hard, to, you know. When to plan the party, when to book the, the clown. <laughs> uh, well, first off, I, I vote against the clown, but... <laughs> No, you'll see a bunch of stuff on our, especially on our social media around that time. We plan on definitely celebrating it. I think around NGConf, there's a bunch of cool stuff coming up. I feel like we have an announcement every other day from now until like, I don't know, July of all kinds of fun stuff coming up that we're nice. included in. So, And an Angular clown, right? <laughs> Somewhere in the announcement. Why I am are in you, charge of Are you afraid of clowns, Emma? I'm not a big clown fan. I would I'm say a, that I'm afraid no. of clowns. Okay. okay. See, there so, you go. Yeah. So I will admit first. But I love the angular clowns. You no, know, that's that's uh, you know, here in Israel we have uh, some angular clowns. The angular is very big here. So even some of the clowns are uh, painted like angular, like red and white and stuff like that so this is all made up right no no it's a true story in my in my head uh, okay. but... there you go <laughs> see i've never met anyone i work with online like in person i've never like i this could all be made up i think about that all the time like i could have just made all of this up and i'm just gonna like wake up and have a completely what? different life um, <laughs> what do you mean podcast so like the podcast itself is made up or like oh, the no, entire everything. year everything oh, like there's no proof that i actually like work for angular do any of this right so like Andy this Kaufman. entire last year yeah like until i like actually like do anything or like meet anyone in person it could be completely made up like this clown thing could be real you know i don't know <laughs> wow you just gave me an idea for ngcon 2022 when we'll meet finally meet you'll meet a clown painted <laughs> in red and white and yeah that's, that's a <laughs> lot of carry-on baggage costume well i have experience with the carrying stuff to ngcon if you ever saw my uh, talks, the costumes and stuff like that. So, well, and uh, he he could get some help from uh, some locals. That's true. Because <laughs> Salt Lake, the the place where they hold the conference every year is literally a half hour from my house. 
Yeah, and so. you already have the clown suit, so you know that that would that should be easy. <laughs> so great, uh, new announcement like uh, regarding like the, the new features and stuff, or other stuff, exciting stuff that like addition. Um, I would say follow our channels. I think there's a um, there's stuff I haven't talked about that like hopefully will hopefully will come out. I feel like I've learned through DevRel not to promise anything before it's out. But we have all kinds of cool stuff that we have planned of blog posts, of things around all the things we talked about today, right? There's a ton in V12. Mm-hmm. And again, most of what we talked about today is no op, right? These are just going to be benefits built in. Like your fonts will magically be inlined if they're Google fonts, things like that, that will have those improvements. But yeah, we definitely plan on celebrating the update path and then some other stuff with debugging and whatnot in the next couple of months, which will be cool. Nice. Nice, like awesome. ng and I heard the ng a new Angular CLI uh, command ng format C drive, right? Like it's <laughs> form for if you are on Windows machine, it formats your C drive. So that's something I've been waiting for like for two years. I feel like we need to come up with a April Fool's Day. Twenty, <laughs> yeah. like these are all April <laughs> Fool's ideas. Yeah. Missed opportunities yeah, yeah. to announce. Yeah. Can, can you go back in time, Chuck, and release this uh, like a few days ago? <laughs> yeah. No, it just means you have 364 days to plan this. new React app. Yes. All right. Yeah. Well, All right. Well, we are at the end of our time, but this has been way fun, Emma. Hey, folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there? And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit. And you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev. One thing we do at the end of our shows is we do picks, which are just shout outs for stuff that we're really enjoying in life. I know we're not going out so much, so it's been a lot of Netflix picks and stuff lately. Shy, it's been a while, so I'm sure you've got a few things you want to shout out. I'm, yeah, I uh, I want to pick something from Netflix, so but you just said what you said, <laughs> so so I would just I would just pick something else. So the the Netflix show, uh, the Punisher, the comics show, the Punisher, Marvel, so. It's a good show. You should see it. It's on Netflix. Sorry, Chuck. And my other pick is Jasmine Auto Spies, my library for testing Angular stuff with more ease that reduces the need. This and the other library, Observer Spy, reduce the need to write marble tests, which are a pain point for many people. So we added new features that know and makes it even easier so check those out as well and upcoming new workshop that i'm planning uh, it's a free workshop that i'm planning on angular testing which will come out soon i believe it will call the cost effective cost effective angular testing so follow me on twitter and you will see when it will be released or just join on testangular.com. Boom, I did it again. Thank you very much. Those are my picks. Nice. Yeah, I need to, I need to get practice on that, right? Because uh, <laughs> I have some self-promo stuff to work on as well. But I, this is timely. I'm going to pick it because we by the time this comes out, which is I think next week, we will have launched our newest show. And we also re- launched another show and I think, Emma, you actually, if I remember right, wrote an article about one of the hosts on our newest show or next newest show. So I'm going to shout it out as well. We have a show that we've been producing for the last month or so. It's called She's in Tech. 
It highlights women in technology. They get on, they talk about career advice. Sometimes they're highlighting women who are doing awesome stuff in tech. It's a partnership between us and this.labs, Tracy Lee. And she she's pulled together just a terrific panel of women that are just talking about great stuff. It's funny because I listened to the first handful of shows and I'm like, I'm like, this is terrific career advice for anybody, right? You know, some of it's specific to stuff that, you know, women encounter, I guess, more often than men. But honestly, most of it's just been awesome advice for anybody trying to get into tech. So if you're a woman in tech and you want to hear women talk about careers in tech, it's a terrific show. If you're looking for just great advice as far as like, hey, I'm kind of new or I'm trying to figure out, you know, some situation in tech, they've, they've covered a whole bunch of great stuff. I've really enjoyed listening to that show. So you can go check it out. She's in tech. Just go to devchat.tv. It's listed in our shows. And then I'm starting a new show this week. I've recorded the first seven episodes. I'm going to record a whole bunch more. It's going to have kind of a dual format. So there are going to be two types of episodes. Uh, the first one's going to come out every day. And I'm going to be talking about how to become a dev influencer. And specifically, I'm going to be talking about how to get what you want in your career by making a difference for other people in the tech community. All right. So you build an audience, you serve them, you get them what they want, you help them advance in their career. And then in turn, what happens is, is that people who either want to help them as well will come along and will, you know, pay you or help you or get you what you want. Or a lot of times your audience will help you get what you want, right? And so they'll help you get a better job or they'll help you by buying the book that gets them, you know, kind of more step-by-step that you're not giving them, you know, because you can't in a one-hour episode or a 10-minute episode or whatever, right? And so that's kind of how that works. And so that's what I'm putting together in the Dev Influencer Show. You can also go to devchat.tv to find that. But I'm also going to be reaching out to people who I've met or who have we've had on the shows who are Dev Influencers. And I'm going to be talking to them about their dev influencer journey, right? How they got in, how they began influencing people, what they're doing now, what benefits they've gotten, what things have worked for them, those kinds of things. And we're going to get some pretty big names just because I've been podcasting about tech for 12 years. I know a lot of people around and I want to just kind of give you, you know, other perspectives on this stuff. So that's what I'm putting out there. As far as fun stuff that I want to pick, One of the things that I've been putting together for my kids lately, they're really into Minecraft, or as my uh, five and a half year old says, Mindcraft, because she, yeah, she'll sit down there and play it all day. She will. Anyway, kind of drives me nuts. But they, they like to play other games online with their cousins and their friends. And so I found a tutorial that will tell you how to set up a private Minecraft server on AWS that then, you know, multiple people can connect to and you can play multiplayer right so then they can play with their cousins online and so i've been setting that up and there was another article this was a pick by somebody else on another show but i'm setting it up and i'm on a a lot of the shows and so i could get to pick it on other shows the article then walks you through setting up an aws lambda that uses twilio so you can text it an ip address and it'll whitelist the ip address right because I'm a little less worried about my 14-year-old and my 15-year-old and who they're talking to online. A little worried about that. My 12-year-old and my 9-year-old and my 5-year-old, I'm a little more worried about, okay, who's on this server, right? And so I'll just whitelist the people that I trust, right? And then if they want their friends from school to get on, then their friends' parents can call me up and we can talk and make sure that everybody understands what the rules of the server are. And then if for whatever reason I decide that it's not okay, I just text it again and access turns off. So I'm pretty excited about that. I think that's way fun. Started setting it up the other day and yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So they can play it on the Xbox. They can play it on some of the computers and they can all play it together now, which is way fun. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Two notes on that. One is, is it tells you to go get the Twitch client to get the Minecraft mods. That doesn't work. You can go to minecraftmods.com, I think it is, and you can get mods off of there. That's what I wound up doing. The other thing is, is if you're going to test it, you can just go get the Minecraft client off of Mojang. Um, you do have to pay for it, and it's like 26 bucks is what I paid for it. Or you can just get on, we had it on the Xbox, but we had the, what is it, the Bedrock version, and that doesn't allow you to do multiplayer unless you have an Xbox Live Gold subscription. And so I just paid for it on my computer so I could test it out first. 
So just be aware of those two things if you're trying to set it up because you can't do multiplayer on it that with that setup. So just be aware you need those two things. You don't need the Twitch client. But other than that, it's fine. It is from 2018, this article. But otherwise, it works fine. Emma, what are your picks? Wow, you guys have such good self-plugging abilities. Yeah, let's see. From a game standpoint, I'll start with games because you have such good ideas of mind crafting, which is something I need to get into. <laughs> I, I watched I watched uh, Jeremy and Steven play Minecraft once and was like, oh, I understand how this works. Maybe I should set that up. It's a giant um, time suck. Don't do it. <laughs> I know. That's how I feel about everything. But I will say our team has started playing Space Team, which is a free app to download as our like asynchronous or synchronous like remote gaming it's an app like you download it you like basically have to do a bunch of tasks while all like shouting at each other over a meet and it's been a ton of fun I feel like we sort of fell out of like I don't know virtual fun events are like a thing and we're definitely going to be doing them for a couple more months but this has definitely like brought new life into the fun of virtual tent fun events so it's called space team it's really silly like I don't know Stephen Fluin came up with it he always has the best games. Other Angular things are going with the idea of it just ending uh, Women in Tech Month or International Women's Month. I have a series of articles on the Angular blog all about highlighting different women in the Google Developer Expert program. I also run that program. So if you're interested in a woman or um, identify as a form of diversity in tech, please go check out those articles. At the end of them, there's a link to apply to the GDE program, um, which is brand new. Normally it's referral only, but we've opened it up to hopefully find more diverse candidates who maybe don't exist within the existing sphere of influence. So please reach out on Twitter if you're interested in that at all. Very interested in diversity in tech um, and what I can do to support those efforts with my position at Google. Beyond that, still technical, I guess my shout out is I've been having a lot of fun making AR VR filters with a thing called Spark AR. So basically like a drag and drop interface of like AR VR, very like hacky JavaScript that like creates these like AR filters. I post them on my Twitter all the time. You can check them out there. Sort of my like doodles. So go use my filters or don't, or just check out the technology. It's cool. And then I guess my last shout out is there was a really cool example of someone building Spotify with Angular the other day. Trung Vo built an entire Spotify client with the Spotify APIs with Angular. That is very cool. That is on his GitHub. And there's been some cool community stuff around it. And shout out to Spotify in general for being the only app that's always open on my computer, especially <laughs> nice. now that you can, <laughs> especially I will say shout out actually to the team that has implemented like filtering of likes on Spotify. That was like a game changer for my COVID work from homeness, but not shout out. And please contact me if you have a way to make sure that I can listen to music in the background of meetings. Like for example, right now I can't be listening to music because like it sounds all gargly. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about I'm behind the space. If there's a way to play Spotify while also being in meetings, please let me know. So anti shout out to that. Let's see. And then finally, shout out to everyone. And I've been really enjoying TikTok. I don't know. I'm Gen Z during COVID, but I've recently gotten into like tech TikTok and there's been a lot of people pushing me to do it. And I don't know if I will, but there's a few accounts I've gotten really into Analytical, who is a coding drag queen on TikTok. And I, I've watched every TikTok a million times and the tips are incredible. I think she just did a series on like how to customize your terminal in like short bite-sized content. So if you're interested in any of those things, shout out to everyone in tech doing the most right now. It's incredible and overwhelming. Awesome. I know you've been listening to Adventures in Angular on TikTok or on Spotify. And see, if if you could figure that out, you could have been listening to Adventures in Angular while listen, recording Adventures in Angular. And that, that would have been pretty meta, right? It's 50-50. Sometimes it just sounds so gargly that, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yes. I don't know. It could be your headphones. 
But then 50-50, it works. I think it's the different oh. video client. So if there's people out there working on video clients, please create one that you can have soundtracks to. Yeah, maybe. It's probably copyright restricted. I don't know. Could be. How do people connect with you online? I'm assuming you're on Twitter and GitHub. That's usually where most tech folks are. Yeah, it's Twersky on both of those. Just my last name, but an E. Tversky. Tversky, yes. Not twerky. I thought about doing that, but (laughs) I didn't. (laughs) All right. Well, it was great to have you. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Emma. It was was great. All right, folks. We're going to see a clip. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, I'll yeah. see you with a clown suit in person. Oh, That's right. I can't wait. Can't wait to put on the red makeup again. <laughs> Go to wall. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, we'll wrap it up here. Till next time, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot com to learn more.